0: Welcome to Teacher Prep with Dr. D. I'm a former elementary and middle school teacher who now works as a university professor. I believe in the power of teacher professional development is at the intersection of research and what's working in the classroom. My goal for this podcast is to support you in making informed decisions that are rooted in evidence and not just teaching trends. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Dickinson. In today's episode of Teacher Prep, we will be talking about mental health. A recent article in the New York Times reported a surge of suicides in Las Vegas. According to the Clark County Superintendent, Dr. Jesus Hara, quote, when we started to see the uptick in children taking their lives, we knew it wasn't just the COVID numbers we needed to look at anymore. We have to find a way to put our hands on our kids to see them, to look at them. They've got to start seeing some movement, some help. In the past nine months, Clark County has seen more than 18 suicides. The school district is now starting to open their doors. One student left a note saying that he has nothing to look forward to. The youngest student in Clark County that committed suicide was nine years old. And Clark County is not the only school district in our nation that is affected by the surge in suicide. The parents of a 14 year old boy in Maryland who killed himself in October, described how their son, quote, gave up. In December, an 11 year old boy in Sacramento shot himself during his Zoom class. In Maine, the father of a teen who killed himself attributed his son's suicide to the isolation of the pandemic. And in Texas, Brad Hunstable, who made a video about his 12-year-old son, Hayden, said, my son died from the coronavirus, but not in the way you think. According to a mother whose son killed himself just months after graduating, she said, our kids are feeling hopeless. They're feeling like there's no future for them. I can't see how there's any other explanation." These are such powerful testimonies and events That we can't just look at COVID-19 and how teachers are teaching and what's happening without talking about the mental health crisis that's also ravaging across our nation. So when it comes to suicides, one of the signs is withdrawal. It is a risk factor. And the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline also says warning signs include talking about wanting to die, looking for a way to kill themselves, talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live, feeling trapped or or in unbearable pain, being a burden to others, increased use of alcohol or drugs, acting anxious or agitated, sleeping too little or too less, withdrawing or isolating, showing rage or talking about seeking revenge, and extreme mood swings. Going back to the article in the New York Times, uh, New York, uh, Clark County, Nevada, implemented an early warning system to alert counselors and staff of mental health episodes. And since its inception, Over 3,000 alerts have been documented. These alerts have undoubtedly saved students' lives. When a 12-year-old boy was found searching, quote, how to make a noose on his district-issue iPad, school officials were able to intervene and inform the parents. The New York Times article also cites failure Is another crisis at the school with flunking rates at 60 to 70%. And that's just not depressing students. It's also depressing teachers and staff. In Clark County, they're also conducting a survey to see what supports it needs for its employees. Colleen Neely, a counselor at Shadow Ridge High School recalled how a young man she advised since ninth grade used to stand outside her class every day after fourth period. Two days, two weeks after graduation, she received a call that he shot himself. Miss Neely said, quote, part of me will always wonder if he had access to his teachers and his peers would it have changed the outcome I will never know. These suicides just don't impact one person in one family. They impact me to this day. And so when it comes to talking about the impact of COVID-19, we need to look deeper than tech tools and student achievement here on Teacher Prep. Because none of that really matters when it comes to the lives of our students, our children, our future, And students' mental health is only one part of the equation. Teachers, too, are impacted by COVID and the mental health. It's taking a toll on them. Research from the Kaiser Family Foundation found that over 50% of adults are struggling with mental health, too. In today's episode of Teacher Prep, we are going to talk with two clinical therapists who will share their insight, what to look for, and strategies to support our kids and to take care of ourselves in the classroom. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep with Dr. D. Today we have two therapists that are joining us to talk about trauma. And we certainly have a culture of trauma, collective trauma, teacher trauma, children trauma. So I'm blessed to have you guys join us. Will you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your credentials and what you do. So let's get started. Jessica?
1: Yeah. So my name is Jessica Silva-Zabinek and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, LMFT for short. And I work <laughs> um, primarily with children um, the Ages, I don't know, two to 22, because the 22 year olds, we still consider them children. (laughs) And and I specialize in trauma and specifically sexual trauma.
2: Mm.
0: Great. Great to have you on the show, Jessica. Thank
2: you. And my name is Cindy Klinecki, licensed clinical social worker. And I actually have a private practice. I previously was in education. So I have a master's in education as well and taught middle school students. And my specialty now is actually in chronic disease. Mm. And I work with individuals ranging from depending on who's in your family system, typically high schoolers all the way through end of life.
0: So a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma. So let's unpack what is trauma? Because I think in the education field, we're hearing about this idea of trauma, but we haven't really unraveled it in a way that teachers can make sense out of it. So what is trauma? Do you want to start, Jess?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think right off the bat is that there's several different categories of trauma, but the general just um Kind of generic definition of trauma is that when someone has an experience um that causes them to feel like they are not going to survive the hmm. experience and that that um that intensity of the experience causes physiological changes in the body hmm. in your nervous system which causes changes in the way that you look at the world, the way that you think about yourself and the way that you think about the others around you.
0: Right. So if a kids coming in the classroom and maybe feeling really anxious or restless, that could be an indicator of trauma.
1: Yes. That is one of the indicators of trauma. I think um, the way that I kind of see it is that there's uh, so many different symptoms and we have Mm -hmm. a huge book. Right. (laughs) It's called the DSM that goes into all these different types of categories of how someone can respond to trauma. We have the diagnosis of PTSD, which is the most uh, specific. Um, But I also think that the the diagnosis of PTSD does not account for a lot of different types of trauma. Uh The diagnosis of PTSD really is about a specific event. Uh And so part of the PTSD diagnosis is also around um, witnessing an event. Uh-huh. So it might not have happened to you directly uh-huh. that you were in danger of, of, you know, possibly not surviving an event. But if you witnessed something that could, could make you think that that other person, or if you watched another person die, or you watched another person have, um, a serious, situation where they might not have survived, that can also cause PTSD in a person. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also work with a lot of people who don't qualify or a lot of, you know, teenagers and children that don't qualify for the diagnosis of PTSD. They have things like anxiety, Mm -hmm. ADHD, or depression, Mm -hmm. that it looks a little bit different in their bodies and in their nervous systems and the way that their brain is responding to the trauma. But it's very evident that there was a, a trauma whether, it's, and, uh, whether it was a single event or ongoing mm-hmm. trauma, which is something that the field is really, um, you know, we're starting to look at how ongoing trauma does impact the brain and mm-hmm. ongoing stress mm-hmm. impacts right. the brain in similar ways that what, like for instance, like the, a very good example is like the car accident, right? Mm-hmm. Like a car accident is a one single event that where, you know, a family is in a <laughs> car, one one person in the family could develop ptsd around cars avoiding Mm -hmm. cars not feeling safe going in a car Mm -hmm. where another person who was in the exact same accident wouldn't have that response right be okay Mm -hmm. and that's that's trauma right Mm -hmm. everybody's a little bit differently um you know different in their bodies and 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 the resiliency of their minds um and so everyone can respond differently to different things
0: Mm -hmm. right And so trauma
1: is what it is
2: for every person, similar to how we would say in hospice that pain is however the person defines it as even if they can't get a diagnosis, let's say of PTSD, their trauma is extremely important to their mental health and how they're perceiving that trauma. And so she was talking about vicarious traumatization as well when she was talking about people who maybe have heard about the incident. Mm-hmm. Um, or heard about numerous incidents. And then that actual there, that, that trauma becomes that person's as
1: well.
0: Right. So what I hear from me, both of you is that trauma is individualized. Mm-hmm. It's how yes. we perceive and then how our body reacts mm-hmm. to an event, either mm-hmm. by what witnessing or experiencing, uh-huh. it could be a single event or it could be ongoing. Mm-hmm. Like somebody, like a child who's getting, you know, physically abused. That would right. be an example of ongoing, right? But chronic, chronic. So let me ask you: It's COVID. Mm-hmm. People have not been in schools, mm-hmm. or children who have not been in schools since March. Could COVID be a traumatic experience or ongoing? What What are you What are you thinking? And what are you guys seeing?
1: Yeah, Cindy, what are you first for this one? Oh sure, oh absolutely.
2: That COVID has impacted uh, and is a traumatic event. So much depends on parents within the home and how they're responding, what they are telling their children, what they're not. I'm seeing a lot of uh, children, especially my own. I'm going to talk about my own here. They're actually going backwards um, Mm -hmm. as far as socio-emotional, their mental health. Um, In fact, my son, uh, we had to hospitalize him. For us here in uh, Santa Cruz, and there's a lot of different places across the country that has that had fires, um, and so we had to evacuate. And that, for my son, was the tip of the iceberg, let's mm-hmm. just say. I mean, it just, like, pushed everything over. So you're seeing a lot of kids who are typically very resilient take major strides emotionally backwards. Right. Adults as well, of course. Um, so... COVID, but there's no end at this point. And so that's where it's actually become more chronic. Sure. I think initially you could have said it was an acute issue, right? Where it's this, you know, brief. However, now we're talking about different strands and we're talking about vaccines not working. And so then how much there do you protect your children from understanding Um. Anyway, so-, so you're
0: saying it could be a tipping point. And mm-hmm. even thinking about our own community out here in, in Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. I, I keep hearing about, you know, suicides mm-hmm. and happening mm-hmm. with kids in our community. And
2: Overdoses.
0: Overdose, you know, or or self, whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, both. And it seems like that has escalated mm-hmm. as a result of, you know, what's happening collectively with COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jessica, mm-hmm. have you seen that in your work with children? Yeah, um, I uh, the referrals are off the mm-hmm. charts.
1: Like we have so many kids that are needing services um, in my department, and um, and parents, because um, you know I think there's there's the the pandemic has created a multi layer mm-hmm. of trauma. There's mm-hmm. um, you know we're we're the the national trauma uh, that you know is, that we're all experiencing. Mm-hmm how covid is impacting individual uh, communities Uh and individual households Uh is is just something that you know i've never you know none of us have ever experienced Uh in our life right Uh Um, and so the level the levels and the layers of trauma um that it's impacted our entire system Uh of connection our entire system of Uh supports for parents and families and their children Um, It's something that I think, you know, none of us were expecting, none of us had ever prepared for. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, and then also there's that element of privilege and that in some communities, um, it's been, the impact of COVID is different than in other communities. Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that has been uh, like, shockingly, uh, just in my face where we've always talked about how communities of privilege, but the COVID really brought that out. Um, I think of of just the disparity
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and how how certain families have the ability to have resources in order to manage the stressors. And some families do not have those resources Mm -hmm.
0: at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Good point. So we obviously Mm -hmm. have a lot of listeners out there that are teachers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're trying to navigate this new space. And I will say as somebody who is a teacher educator we don't do enough at all in terms of preparing our teachers for Mm -hmm. knowing what trauma looks like or Mm -hmm. how you can how you can support kids so um just for those that are out there this might be a brand new space tell us what would it look like for a teacher to kind of have a student that's experiencing trauma and what can they do to support Mm -hmm. that child okay
2: well so can i also I, I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about the importance of self-care for your teachers.
0: Oh, um, yeah.
2: And are we going to, I don't want Yeah, we're,
0: we're going to go there. We're going to go right? there. We're okay. going to <laughs> definitely talk about that because I, I okay. and I have a lot of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> because we can't, we
2: can't have you burn out there, teachers. Right. You guys are... Yeah. It's important to acknowledge how all of this trauma is also affecting you and making sure that you're taking care of yourself.
0: But... So let's uh, talk about that now, because I okay. think we brought it up and maybe it's starting to resonate with some teachers that are listening out there. Like, hey, am I experiencing... Yes, we know mm-hmm. you're experiencing trauma out mm-hmm. there. So what do you want to say about mm-hmm.
2: that? Okay. Well, I mean, and there's so many different... Uh, indicators of how uh, people are doing, because you asked, and that's why I brought it up, you asked, how can you tell if a child is experiencing trauma, right? And so uh, the same is true for how adults carry it as well. It's not just how a child carries it. So you're mm-hmm. going to see, like Jessica had mentioned, that major depressive disorder is now uh, 16.1% is a, is a, is a uh, number I heard recently, Jessica, that that's mm-hmm how many people are now being diagnosed with major depressive disorder, wow. not just yes. dysthymia, which is like the eors in the world. And okay. so, um, wait a
0: second. Yeah. I missed that one. The dysthymia, who are it, the ear Eey- Tell me yeah. what, what is dysthymia? I've never heard of that before.
2: <laughs> dysthymia is a low level depression. Okay. So a person who kind of views the world as glasses, you know, half empty versus half full, that's just more their personality type. Go ahead.
1: And it's persistence, uh-huh, so it, right. it, it, it's more kind of like a. It, it can. It's similar to a personality, depending on how long the person uh-huh. experiences it. But some people just that they're just uh-huh. kind of always in that space. Right. A major depressive disorder is different because it's severe. It's uh-huh. much more severe, uh-huh. and it's usually for a, a shorter period of time. Uh-huh. But now with COVID, this this is there's no relief. Exactly um, um, the stressor exactly. I mean, all, all mental illness is, is always there's always a stressor that mm-hmm. that kind of creates the, the symptomology mm-hmm. when we, Our genes kind of decide how we're gonna react to the mm-hmm. stressors. So we're going either be an anxious person and develop an anxiety disorder or a depressive mm-hmm. depressed person and it, 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 that's like our genes. But there's always a stretcher that comes on mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. right, right. Um, and so and, typically
2: and, yeah. oh go ahead i'm sorry well typically i would let's say when a person comes on that has symptoms of depression right like low low energy level um right. low self-esteem poor affect meaning kind of um blank mm.
1: um
2: so i would typically describe them as having an adjustment disorder, because I don't know how long this has happened. Now, most of those people have moved into major depressive disorder. Mm. Whereas before COVID, it would have maybe been (laughs) dysthymia, you know what I'm saying? Or it might not, it might have always been an adjustment disorder, right? Even though it's supposed to be a limited duration, but it wouldn't have moved to that major depressive disorder but we're seeing a very big increase of much more severe mental health issues. So what we actually see, like I said, in children is very similar to what we're going to see across the spectrum of ages. So, Mm -hmm. um, depression, uh, you know, meaning that within their body there there's the sadness, they can't hear about certain things or else, um, they kind of go into the shell because you have different ways that people exhibit their emotions, whether it be they're the ostrich and they put their head into the sand mm. or they're highly anxious. Um, you're going to see a lot more of um, excessive energy for some kids. Um, right. You're going to see kids who, you know, they don't want to be seen on the, on the mm-hmm. you know screen when they're doing the right. virtual learning.
0: Yes,
1: mm-hmm.
2: You're going to see a lot of kids are just not, actually participating now in school
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um so go ahead jess what else are you seeing
1: yeah and anger anger Anger. Mm so uh you know irritability anger Mm -hmm. is a part of depression as Mm -hmm. well and i think for um that's i'm noticing that with some of the teachers that my kids my kids are coming and like man the the teacher snapped at us today and it was icky and so i'm like yeah, i'm really sorry that that happened Sounds like that teacher's really stressed out. Mm-hmm. Like right. is really for everyone, it's just really icky. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think the irritability and anger for both the kids, you know, I, I work with that with so much with the kids and their parents, as well as, you know, noticing adults. Like, I mean, even mm-hmm. in my you know, coworkers and stuff like that. Like we're all on edge with my husband, mm-hmm. everything, you know, we're all on edge. And so that that the 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 stress can come out as lots of different things it can come out as anger it can come out as worry and anxiety Mm -hmm. it could come out as sadness and Mm -hmm. depression Mm -hmm.
2: right Mm -hmm. so one of the things i say just to all my clients now because truly truly we have not in society experienced anything like COVID. I mean, really since the Spanish flu in 1917 and that those, those generations, I mean, I work with clients up to like 104 years old, but even, even they did not experience this. Right. Right. And so what I've said is COVID has been, you said disparity, which I, I agree. I hear what you're saying. I also would say it has been an equalizer of sorts in mental health because everybody has experienced similar things in that way of, of, um, so, but one of the things that I was going to say, and what I remind my clients a lot of is that everybody's baseline has shifted. Mm. So you're wondering why you're depressed. You're wondering why you're anxious. You're wondering why you're irritated. Okay. COVID is enough
1: Mm. in, in its own,
2: let alone the evacuations, let alone the lightning storm, let alone the financial loss. Right. Mm-hmm. The unemployment, the poverty pieces that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, deaths that are still happening of loved ones. Mm-hmm. Right. Right.
1: And then on top of that, sprinkle in the politics. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. That, oh, that totally also
0: there. is very traumatic to, just yeah. to be I mean, I feel like being a witness to how our government has really failed us on so many levels has been so heartbreaking you know growing up in boston you know big democratic family you know taking a lot of pride in our beliefs in our culture our system our nation and just feeling at a loss i mean it's it's felt like that it's felt like Mm -hmm. that to me like a loss Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that you guys have talked about all these different ways that stress Mm -hmm. or depression can manifest. I've definitely experienced anger.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: I've mm-hmm. seen that big time. Yeah, I think that's my Boston culture. I've also mm-hmm. experienced like sleeplessness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's two, three in the morning, mm-hmm. and my mind won't shut the fuck off. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you guys say to mm-hmm. those people out there that are saying, "Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. I experienced that." Because mm-hmm. as you, it was so enlightening to hear that, wait, it's all these different things. Mm -hmm. We are all carrying different things. Mm -hmm. What, what do you say to us now that I've said, yeah, that resonates with me.
2: You name it. First and Mm -hmm. foremost, people don't know why they're having these emotions. That's why I like Mm -hmm. to remind people about their baseline shifting consistently. And this is not just a one-time reminder. I work with most of my clients either once a week or once every two weeks. And Mm -hmm. when they're not understanding these feelings that are happening within their body, whether it be the depression or the anger or the loss, right? People Mm -hmm. don't understand how much loss affects them. They just, we just don't as a society, we're not used to looking Mm -hmm. at it. So you're, you're recognizing that you're not going to sleep. Okay. So what is actually keeping you awake, right? Is it that there's fear? Is it that there's anger, Is it that there's a a feeling of loss of control? You actually need to look at what the emotion is and be able to name it. So that is a higher level of actualization that we're asking you to do. So some people really could use help with that, right? Like our clients, Jessica. Mm
1: -hmm. Whereas
2: as an adult, what I want you to do is kind of try to strip away because everything tries to feel like anxiety, especially with this, right? So Mm -hmm. strip, strip that away and say, what actually is the emotion I'm going through? Mm. Try to name it. Right. And then, and then there's other very specific CBT skills or mindfulness skills that you can utilize. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Sleep etiquette is extremely important. Teachers, you have to have a routine for night. If you're finding that you're not falling asleep, you need to get yourself out of your bed you need to go and you need to write some stuff down, start to journal, start to read, uh-huh. take, have your nice glass of cozy tea, whatever you right. do, <laughs> but don't still lay there and just toss and turn because then your bed is associated with tossing and turning.
0: Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a couple of those things. I've been having lavender tea. hmm And I've been actually listening to um, a sleep meditation app. Perfect.
2: Calm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And what else have I? Oh, I've been trying to not be on, because I've heard, Mm -hmm. not be on my computer before I go to bed. Right. An hour. An hour at least.
2: Unless you wear the the glasses that have the blue light Mm -hmm. barrier, because that makes your brain think it's awake. When it's daytime, the
1: light from your computer or from your cell phone Uh mimics the same wavelength as the sun, Uh and that's how our brains know when to get the hormones for either waking up in the morning. Is because like literally sunlight comes in through your eyelids and wake and and those photons wake you up, Uh or the melatonin Uh that gets when it's dark. Uh Um, Because of our artificial lights, we have lights in our house. Uh Our brain doesn't; it needs full darkness to release the. um, the, the hormones that you need that help you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hormones are so important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And on top of that, I'm also going through menopause. (laughs) so It's like, when does it give up? And I lost my dad in January, which, you know, which, Mm -hmm. so there it's, I'm sure for everyone out there that's listening, there's so many things that are Mm -hmm. going on. So what I hear from you, Cindy, Mm -hmm. is like, check in with yourself Mm -hmm. Then create some routines, Mm -hmm. just like we do in the classroom teachers, Mm -hmm. right? We Mm -hmm. keep those routines and figure out how you can alleviate some of those issues that you're having holistically without any medication, right?
2: If possible. Absolutely. If possible. Yeah.
0: I have a list here
1: that um, it gave from the website of like things you can do, um, would that
0: be helpful? Yeah, share helpful. with us resources. Like, I think our audience is out there and they're probably saying, Yes, this is great. What what are some resources as a teacher I can go and check in with myself? Um, because maybe we can't get to the doctors. I know I was at the doctors a few weeks ago and they kept asking me, Are you depressed? And I was like, No, I'm not depressed. I'm angry. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm frustrated, but I'm not depressed. Mm-hmm. But now after talking to you guys, I realized wait a second, I am depressed, Mm -hmm. but it, and that's the other thing I want to talk about is I think right now, so many people in their professions are trying to, uh, to take on the role of therapist and they don't have the kinds of training that you both have,
1: Mm -hmm. which I think is really dangerous. It is.
0: It is. Absolutely.
2: Jessica, I like that. Do you want to give this, do you want to read those off?
1: Yeah. So this is, it's from the, um, there's a website, a uh, professional quality of life measure. And nice. so are giving uh, some tools for caring for yourself in the face of difficult work. And so I think I, <laughs> I'm doing um, therapy through telehealth, which is mm-hmm. very similar to what the teachers are doing um, with the teaching online. Mm-hmm. And so it is extremely difficult to do uh, it's like different. It's just different uh-huh. doing it online. And there are some, you know, good things about it, but then there's some things that it's just not uh-huh. the same. Uh-huh. Um, and so it says our work can be overwhelming. Our um, challenge is to maintain our resilience so that we can keep doing the work with care, energy, and compassion. Love it. So 10 things to do each day is number one, get enough sleep, right? Mm. Trying, you know, with the sleeplessness, trying to get strategies of how to improve your sleep, get enough to eat. Uh Uh, Number three is vary the work that you do. And so I know that that's very, very challenging right now because we're in front of the computer the whole time. Uh Um, And it it is really difficult to have a variety of activities to do. And so taking breaks, um, you know, and... i i've been actually doing a lot more movement with Mm -hmm. my kids because Mm. i know that they're sitting in front of the computer all day and so having that time of you know like those little pe breaks i think is so important Mm -hmm. um which comes to the number four is do some light exercise um do something pleasurable is number five number six is Focus on what you did well. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that it is, you know, it's like learning the computer system was brand new for me. Um, I've never done telehealth before. Right. Um, You you know, online um, platforms. And so just being patient with the learning.
0: Give yourself Um, some grace mm -hmm. and then give yourself some kudos Mm -hmm. for all that you're doing and all that you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yes. And so
1: learning from your mistakes and then um, sharing a private joke or having humor. Humor is so important. Um, Like I have a little text chain with some of my friends at work and we just do like silly little things about like, Oh, documentation, like I have to do documentation today and we like send each other little memes. So that's like funny. Um, And so we have some, some humor um, out of the, you know, to kind of break up the monotony. Um, And number nine is pray, meditate, or relax. Like I think um, connecting to spirituality during Mm uh you know during traumatic times or or when you're recognizing a response of trauma for yourself is so healing mm-hmm. um and spirituality can be a really big um uh support for people right um and then, and then support a colleague so when you help others uh-huh. it actually helps bring good um like chemicals like happy chemicals. Right. To mm-hmm. too your brain and so having that camaraderie and that connection i think for teachers is really really important
0: Mm -hmm. awesome yeah those are all super positive Mm -hmm. things and i have to say the one shining light i would say from all this experience at least for for me is that i have been doing so much more self-care and Mm -hmm. i have been so much more cognizant Mm -hmm. of being intentional Mm -hmm. with bringing in some of those things like hey, it's Monday, I know I need to at least get, you know, 20 minutes of exercise in or try to spend some time meditating or, you know, do something that I enjoy, like cooking Mm -hmm. or gardening or Mm -hmm. whatever. So yeah, I think it's in some ways, it is bringing our awareness Mm -hmm. as a a culture in like, we have to be doing these things every day, Mm -hmm. this should not be something that we reserve on the weekends, Mm -hmm. which I have to say prior to COVID, my weekends were jam full of soccer games mm-hmm. and shuffling my kids around at birthday parties. So I wasn't doing any self care then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
2: started, I, I usually have exercised at least four days a week, and now I do seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I don't overdo it. You know, I'm not like in a marathon. I just like you suggested, Jessica, you know, the light exercise part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so but, and that's me as a therapist, because yeah. as a therapist, I know the, the importance of taking care of myself so I can continue supporting. Right. I was telling um, Dr. D before we started, you know, I haven't actually taken a break from work since um, last, so not this past holiday season, the holiday season before, wow. because mm-hmm. COVID hit in March. And then, so spring break was supposed to happen. Of course it didn't.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. I
2: moved to doing, to to doing, starting telehealth on like March 13th of 2020. And so this has been, so that those everyday pieces, because otherwise the cumulative. So I like what you said, uh, Patricia, that we are actually more cognizant and feeling it in our body. And that's really Mm -hmm. a gift, if you will, like you suggested to actually have that awareness. And so then, Meaning teachers, you know, when I say it's like, you it's built up too high on your shoulders, you know, right now for all of us, we're carrying it on our shoulders. Okay. So then what are you going to do about that? Right? Like, okay. So the exercise, the meditation, there's all these different pieces mm-hmm. so that you can go into your classrooms, your virtual classrooms or your classrooms, if you're hybrid and not put that onto the children, right? Because Ooh. what you have to understand is When you're walking into the room, if you're depressed, if you're angry, if you're fearful, the kids are going to feel that. Mm. So for your own self, snap, 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 for your own self, (laughs) your own self. And I I have to do this um, each time before I do telehealth. Oh, I'm going to check in with myself (laughs) and I am going to intentionally put myself behind me, if you will, because my emotional state can impact, right? Right. And so that's called counter-transference, right? Mm-hmm. So my ability to have my boundaries to not let, let's say, Jessica's or Patricia's emotions affect me, right? That's I have very healthy boundaries. I'm trained in that. I'm a supervisor. I help my supervisees to understand the importance of having healthy boundaries, right? And so I have to be very cognizant that I'm not trying to put that onto you guys or that you're not feeling that from me. So checking yourself, leaving yourself at the door, which is a really difficult thing to do, guys. This has taken a lot of time and I'm not perfect at it all the time. I know that. Mm -hmm. But that awareness when we're in education, when we're in therapy of how much our energy can impact is so key because it's already enough. It's already enough.
0: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were just talking about having healthy boundaries and mm-hmm. check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> right. And I remember that show, I think it was like who wants to whatever. And you, you were answering questions and, and one of the things when you didn't know the answer, you could phone a friend. Right. And I remember doing that before, cause I worked in South Los Angeles. So for me, beginning a new teacher, I was constantly in trauma. We were having co-reds and lockdowns. Mm. You know, I had parents that were in gangs. I had parents, you know, that were in jail. I had kids that were sleeping in cars. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. just like every day I felt like, you know, I was putting out fires. So I used to, and this is where I got introduced to Eckhart Tolle, who I love, Mm -hmm. for some reason, love his voice started listening to him on my drive to work. Awesome. So yeah, I think it's really, I love your recommendations. Jessica, what you what do you say about having healthy boundaries and checking yourself before you wrecking yourself?
1: Yeah. So what I was thinking about when Cindy was talking earlier about how COVID has changed our self-care routines. Mm-hmm. And I do notice that like before COVID, like I because I'm home, I have the ability to kind of just like I don't have to drive to the gym. I don't have to like you know I can just like zoom in my kitchen or like or I can um and and that I have kind of like more ability to do the self care. But I'm also noticing so like when you know the exercising and, and art stuff I would only do on the weekends. Just like you were saying, Doctor D, and that. When, um, you know, COVID hit, I started having the opportunity to do it more often, Mm -hmm. but I also started noticing that it wasn't relieving the stress or it wasn't bringing, you know, like making me bounce back. Right. Right. But that was something that I thought was really, really interesting is that I'm doing self-care every day where before I would do it maybe like, you know, a couple of times a week, but it still sometimes feels like it's not enough. Right. Absolutely. I also wanted to kind of voice that. Even if you are doing self care, mm-hmm. right? right. And I think sometimes you know the whole, the term self care. I could have a whole other hour about mm-hmm. the term self care because I think that there's a lot of things that is like no, no, no. This is just life. Like it's right, not it's just life. Um, but I think you know doing things that are that are that are to you know relax or to connect or mm-hmm. to right um, to express. Like mm-hmm. I think those are those are three things that I think are really really crucial and key to self care. Um, and, and in order to bring in, um, so when you're doing like an activity like that, like for Mm -hmm. instance, when you're gardening, um, that it gives you that Mm -hmm. sensation of calmness, Mm -hmm. of joy, of, you know, being creative Mm -hmm. and being able to bring that sensation Mm -hmm. to your work as a therapist, Mm -hmm. to your work as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Right. And so having what are, you know, so, um, sometimes what I'll do is I'll, um, like sometimes I will just kind of you know listen to a little bit of music or just mm-hmm. kind of move a little bit before I sit down for my session, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, or you know sometimes even just imagining something that's mm-hmm. positive right. before you go into a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's what you're in that headspace can yes. be really really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know that's definitely something that to notice. Um, and and the journaling piece I think is really important too because mm-hmm. when you're able to kind of write out your feelings. Mm-hmm around um you know like every time I turn on my computer Mm -hmm. to like check to see if my kids have turned in their homework for Mm -hmm. instance I get this sense of dread right right Right. like what are the thoughts that are coming out Mm -hmm. with that sense of dread when you're logging into the zoom meeting or whatever it is right absolutely um so those things I think are things that I've been trying Mm -hmm. to use to help myself manage the stress of COVID um and and just everything everything Mm -hmm. you know the the, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and politics and all of that stuff, I think really have impacted mm-hmm. me during this time. It was just, it's been a lot.
2: It's heavy. It's very, very emotionally heavy. And one of the things that I also, so in addition, there, there are lots of other, I like Jessica, how you explained that self-care isn't about just action. It's also about reflection and journaling. Um, one of the nice things about that is it's different than speaking. It's your, your brain processes writing differently mm. than it does uh, speaking. So that's a whole other way that you can process what's going on for you. Right. Um, one of the things, another thing that I do that I think is just to, to help with our mental health in general is really notice how much time you're listening to the news how much time you're spending on social media. Right. Uh, so understanding everyone that those things affect you and you're carrying them and isn't just what we're trying to do every day enough right now. And I'm not telling people to be ignorant. I'm not telling people, but a lot of my clients have the news on 24 yeah. seven and they don't understand how much that affects them. Right. You know and. Same thing with social media, yeah. right? A lot, I've really taken a step back. I'm on social media now, specifically Facebook Messenger, um, for the Parents of Kids in Residential Treatment, which is a support group for other parents like me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: for my son. Um, because not only do we have COVID, we have <laughs> the evacuations, my son also is in a very desperate mental health state. Mm. And so, It's just, there is so much, and that's actually one of the things I was talking to Dr. D about earlier as well, around the fact that we, as practitioners, and I would say teachers too, because you're in the front line, right? All of those of us who are in the front line, healthcare workers, teachers, therapists, there is a huge potential of burnout. And like I said earlier, we cannot allow that. (laughs) We cannot, we need you.
1: Huh? Yes, it's such an important point and i i like that that when we so the, the when we are burnt out right when we have compassion fatigue the the my my best friend's a nurse in santa right. county and to see you know and she's in the covert unit sometimes mm-hmm. and just having to be in it it's like in you know the this, the the scariness of death right mm-hmm. like constantly and then being with teachers you know for teachers being there Um, you know, seeing their kids, like the, the, the isolation for these kids, Mm -hmm. like I think this is, this is this generation of kids that have been in school during COVID, Mm -hmm. like this is going to, this is going to impact them, you know, and you know, who knows when they're going to get to the studies about that, but it's going to make a big impact on this generation. Um, Similarly to how World War II kind of defined a, a kind of, not a personality, but like that kind of mindset for a whole generation. Absolutely. Um, And so I think that the being able to take care of yourself, because when you are not in a place, Mm -hmm. if you are traumatized, Mm-hmm. that's how you traumatize others mm-hmm. and that's how trauma right happens is that mm-hmm. when people are not aware mm-hmm. of how things are impacting them mm-hmm. that's how we pass along trauma mm-hmm. and it becomes generational and mm-hmm. even though people haven't lived through mm-hmm. something they can still have the effects mm-hmm. of like my great great you know or you know it's it, we've studied a lot in our field around um, like the holocaust mm-hmm. and sure people, you know, who are, you know, third, fourth generation mm-hmm. still have emotional scars, triggers, triggers, right. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this is going to be something that, you know, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, who knows in 10, 20 years, we're going to be researching the emotional impact mm-hmm. that COVID is going to leave on our, on our communities, on our, on our society.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm glad we touched on teacher self-care recognizing those triggers, thinking about yourself. As mm-hmm. I always say to my team, you're the weather maker. You come in the mm-hmm. classroom and you're either raining or you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, sunshine and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give a shout out to my son's teacher, Ms. Lowe, who is amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She is constantly doing art and journaling with the kids. She's up, she's animated. She's reading mm-hmm. to them. She's just, Oh, she's sunshine and happy. like, mm-hmm. I'll just sit there and watch her. Cause I'm like, wow, like mm-hmm. I'm feeling like happy just being around her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it has that ripple mm-hmm. effect. So it's important to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering what that looks like, you're in the classroom you're like, I don't know. Ask your colleague if you can go and observe them. Uh-huh. You know, just like when we're brand new teachers and we do our observations, I learned so much from watching other teachers teach. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling like I want to know what I can do or how I can... Shift my mental set, either Mm -hmm. be observed or watch other teachers teach. Mm -hmm. But I want to shift gears for the last part of our show and talk about because we are in such a challenging time. How do you have those difficult conversations with your kiddos as a teacher, and where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the line right now Mm -hmm. is so blurred. Mm Um, and we also need to think about, like, what is developmentally appropriate? Mm-hmm. Should I be talking about mm-hmm. the events at the Capitol mm-hmm. with my first grade class? Mm-hmm. And what do I do if somebody brings it up? Because maybe the parent, like you were saying, mm-hmm. is watching news 24-7. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're listening to it and they're only seven years old. So mm-hmm. it's not like I can't have this conversation, but at the same yeah. time is it really age appropriate? What say you? <laughs> Jessica, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I, I have
1: things right off the bat. Go, go, yeah! Go, girl. yeah. So from my training as um, you know, so I specialize in children who have been sexually abused. And a part of that training is learning how to do sex education with children of all ages, as mm. well as, you know, and, and, and as part of a family therapy kind of Family support system. and I mm-hmm. feel like my answer is going to be very similar to the training that I got in that realm is that when you're talking to children about you know potentially sensitive information so sex education or you know political stuff you always follow the child's lead mm-hmm. and so so you bring it up in a way where it gives full control of the conversation to the child mm-hmm. so the child can decide how much information mm-hmm. they want mm-hmm. and a lot of children will you know if they have information already they will be able to give you the questions that they're ready to handle Uh right like i'm going to ask this question because i i feel like i'm ready to handle the 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 answer to it or i'm curious about it and so i think that you know if they're not asking about it particularly maybe don't bring it up uh-huh. so much or bring it up in a more vague way. Uh-huh. But if they're asking you a specific question about something, that means that they're they're thinking about it. And uh-huh. so I think that, you know, following the child's kind of lead is really, really important. Uh-huh. Um, also leaving things very open-ended, uh-huh. right? Like, I heard about this thing that happened at the Capitol. Uh-huh. Have you heard about that? Uh-huh. No. Okay, that's the end of the conversation, uh-huh. right? Or, what if you're in yeah.
0: What, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what about if you're in a group meeting and let's say one student brings it up, and but you're in a whole group class with your other 20 kids? I would ask yeah. to talk
2: with them so, about it later. You can acknowledge it, right, Jessica? Mm-hmm. Yes. Acknowledge their question and say, it sounds like there is concern there or some fear mm-hmm. there. Could we mm-hmm. talk after class about it?
1: Yes, I think that's a really good suggestion too. Or when I've done group therapy with children uh-huh. before, when something like that would happen, where uh-huh. someone would bring up a topic, I would pose it back to the other kids. Uh-huh. And so acknowledging the kid uh-huh. and say, hey, that is a really good question. Uh-huh. I wonder what your classmates think about uh-huh. that. And to see if anybody else has you know, any ideas about it. Um, and And then also thinking about like um, if no one else really mm. responds to it, then being like, it sounds like this is something that you and I are going to talk about maybe at a later time. Right, right. Um, because I think if one child is thinking about it, there's a possibility that mm-hmm. other children are thinking about it and not saying anything. Right. Um, so you, you want to mm-hmm. kind of balance that, kind of, you know, because it, 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 it does present an opportunity to have a constructive discussion about it, mm-hmm. but also kids can kind of take things away as well. And so it has to be. Um, you know, establishing rules about conversations, too, I think are really important, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, when we're, when when we discuss as a class, and this is something that I think, you know, in a classroom setting, that you're start, you're setting that up from the very beginning, right, right? from the very first day, these are the rules of how we talk in this Mm -hmm. classroom, we're respectful, Mm -hmm. we listen to each other, we take turns, Mm -hmm. and so we're reminding kids, like, hey, we're going to have a conversation about this, remember our guidelines around taking turns and Mm -hmm. respecting each other's opinions and things like that, depending on the age. Right. Um, but then, and then seeing what children bring, you know, will Mm -hmm. bring up, Mm -hmm. if there's, if there's, you know, if Mm -hmm. there's, um, if there's space for that,
0: right. And if
1: if the teacher is willing to engage in a space for helping the kids kind of, you know, get stuff out of their system or whatever's going on, if they notice that it's, or particularly if it's come up a couple of times, like, Okay, little Johnny, I hear you're wanting to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, let's say the insurrection at the Capitol, but, you know, I'll talk to you about it later, or we'll talk about it again. But if he keeps bringing it up, right, it means that, you know, he's probably having a hard time, and he probably doesn't have another place to talk about it. Right. But, so the, like, but yeah, the biggest piece... place to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, if those kinds of conversations come up in a classroom setting connecting with the teachers about it right we had talking about earlier but the
2: the biggest piece though Jessica that you said that I also agree with is that taking the kids lead like Mm -hmm. I think what's happening is that teachers are okay so similarly to how we were talking earlier when it's an issue for the teacher that doesn't mean that's an issue for the kids you're making an assumption and we all know what assumption means right an ass (laughs) out of you and me. So if a child, if we're taking the child's lead or the adolescent's lead, right. And then that's, I think that that's appropriate. And then how you address it, um, not putting your own spin on it, just listening. And I know in teacher training, and that's where Dr. D is doing such a great job with her podcast and herself as a teacher you guys need to once again take the children's lead on that. If they don't bring it up, don't bring it up yourself. Right.
0: Okay.
1: And Here's you the other like lesson out of it specifically. Yeah. Like if you're doing, you know, if you're talking about, um, you know, uh,
0: Black Lives Black Matter, Lives Matter yeah.
1: movement because you're teaching about, and you know, MLK or exactly you know, yeah. about it, right? Then you're gonna be. It's gonna be a different type of conversation because right. there's there's a there's Time a irrelevant. you're mm-hmm. leading it right and right you're, and you're bringing in you know topics mm-hmm. of you know vocabulary words or whatever it is that right that the lesson is around right. But it's something where a child is having a trauma response, right. which is they're part of a for children which doesn't really show up in adults that much but part of a trauma response for a child is con, uh, perseverance consistently mm-hmm. bringing oh, something see. up over and mm-hmm. over again mm-hmm. right so in those situations that's when you know um bringing it up with the child saying you know can we talk one-on-one sure. about this bringing it up with their parent i think I a teacher yeah. earlier, i didn't mean parent child, Parent. talking to the parent like your child is talking mm-hmm. about this a lot i'm concerned mm-hmm. um they might need they might need some support around it. Mm-hmm. What kind of support are they getting in the home? With mm-hmm. if, if you know, would you consider uh you know uh looking into a therapist for your child to see if they would want to process, you know, with the therapist mm-hmm. or you know whatever it is. Or the school maybe
0: counselor. Mm-hmm.
1: Or a school counselor, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they would benefit from talking about this mm-hmm. with someone. The, um, there's but, a
2: huge potential for damage. Um unfortunately if this is stuff that's being talked about in the general like in a realm beyond what the teacher's abilities are. So remembering that there are resources outside of yourself as a teacher Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is your role. So like what you said about MLK, my daughter's been learning about that in fourth grade. And so Mm -hmm. her teacher was able to tie Black Lives Matter movement into that. And so vocabulary words, all of it was around, right. But that's in a healthy way. Um, You know, the, these kids, it is not, I think that that's where it's really important for teachers to understand the scope of what they're doing and there are other people like jessica and myself out Mm -hmm. there that can support family systems that can support the children um but not all of that needs to be on your tiny shoulders guys okay Mm -hmm. there are other professionals who are here to help you reach out have you reached out to a therapist today have you gotten some you know input from a social worker what resources are you bringing to the table who can also support you, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing for your kids. But it's not all about you, teachers. That's where Mm -hmm. the system within the school, hopefully you have the school counselor. Yeah. Hopefully you have the school psychologist. Hopefully you have the rapport with the parents that you can call them.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important. And I think too, in today's world of Zoom, you know, (laughs) you also have to remember that you might have other people listening in and that that could be mm-hmm. that could be another issue in mm-hmm. itself i mm-hmm. i think i was mm-hmm. reading somebody posted something on facebook about their math teacher bringing up politics and mm-hmm. and the parent getting upset and you know contacting the principal and it just having this really chain ripple effect because you know who knows what else the parent's going through maybe mm-hmm. their own personal trauma or their mm-hmm. own beliefs about, you know, seeing things in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I think all of those pieces are just so nuanced and.
2: So kids need routine, guys, right?
0: Right. Okay.
2: (laughs) so Dr. D was sharing with me the other day. um, We were talking about kids in general in their classrooms and the kids want to go to school. How cool is that? Right. They all want to be. Because why? They're wanting to have that connection with their peers. They're wanting to learn about math. They're wanting to read they're wanting that they want to have purpose. I mean, that's what
0: as human beings in our DNA is that we, we want to have purpose and goals. And Mm -hmm. I think typically, and then please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a therapist, but (laughs) when you have people that are depressed or suicidal, if they don't see worth life as having a purpose, or they don't see themselves as having goals, or maybe they feel, they don't feel a sense of belonging, or they Mm -hmm. don't see, they're like, what's the point? You know, I just like apathy, you Mm -hmm. were saying earlier, just having that apathetic Mm -hmm. perspective. So I think it's important to also do things that are intentional in your teaching practice, have those routines so that the kids can have the structure and consistency. I found that was huge for me as a teacher in South LA with my kids having so much chaos And so much um, Mm -hmm. disruption in their lives that they can come to class Mm -hmm. and they were going to have, they were going to read the next chapter of the K. Mm -hmm. They were going to do their favorite number Mm -hmm. talk. They were going to work on their project Mm -hmm. with their peers. Mm -hmm. Like all those wonderful things Mm -hmm. that they love doing. Mm -hmm. I like that you said that. In a way, view the classroom
2: as reprieve.
0: Right. And and a part of their
2: self-care, right? Because they can Mm -hmm. step outside of whatever is happening and focus on, mathematics and mm-hmm. focus on the story that they're reading and focus on, you know, and they'll journal about how they're doing. I mean, and that's another way you can incorporate, right? Like if if you know you're wanting them to process in a different way about their feelings, similarly to how we said as an adult, as a teacher in self-care, journaling puts it in a different part of the brain. Why can't they just journal about, right. you know, something that's impacted their their week? What yeah. you know, um
0: and there's so many great books out there, you know, heavy filled a bucket or, mm-hmm. you know, girls that wear cowboy. Oh, there was one that my daughter read that someone gave her about um, princesses wear. Oh yes. Um, mm-hmm. Hiking boots. Yes. Yes. You know, about like their role. And in- that's mm-hmm. so important too, mm-hmm. is to say, remember these kids mm-hmm. developmentally may also be going through other milestones, mm-hmm. right? They're going through, finding a sense of identity they're mm-hmm. going through finding a sense of purpose mm-hmm. they're going through so you still want to foster those pieces because mm-hmm. those are mm-hmm. so critical for their development mm-hmm. and so don't let all this other stuff that's mm-hmm. happening that mm-hmm. quite frankly so many things we do not have control of mm-hmm. don't let mm-hmm. that be the foci mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what's happening and what you're doing in the classroom mm-hmm. still work on those spaces that are going to give your students mm-hmm. a cell so sense of identity and purpose and goals Mm -hmm. and social, emotional belonging Mm -hmm. and connectiveness. Mm -hmm. And you can still be intentional Mm -hmm. and teach tools Mm -hmm. to help them manage those spaces like mindfulness, Mm -hmm. like journaling, Mm -hmm. like art, Mm -hmm. what have you, or music, or Mm -hmm. I know my son's teachers, they're doing a ukulele class, which I was like, oh my God, that's so phenomenal mm-hmm. and tap in on all those experts out there, mm-hmm. your parent pool of resources. Mm-hmm. I think there's another assumption I want to bring out is that we make these assumptions. Maybe we are working in um, high poverty schools that parents don't have assets. They have a ton of assets that they can bring in from cooking to construction to building to, you know, and so don't make assumptions that, well, my parents that they, you know, they, they they're from Guatemala and they only have a fifth grade education or my parents, you know, they don't care about their kids because they're not involved or, you know, so don't make those assumptions about your parents and think that they're not also a resource or a mm-hmm. pool that you can tap in and bring into mm-hmm. your classroom.
2: Absolutely. Love it. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Want to
0: thank you guys both for coming. This was an amazing conversation. I want to also share, cause we're talking about therapy that I feel really light right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yay! So make time. Yeah, make time to connect with your girlfriends, my Zumba girls, and have those conversations on Google Meet. Um, we had our conversation today over green smoothies, which mm-hmm. I made with kale and banana, mm-hmm. and a bit of almond milk. So mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you, and hope to have you guys back on the show soon.
2: Thank you, yeah. Dr. D. Thank you for us. Wait, don't go anywhere.